Hi guys, and welcome back to You're On Crackmate, the podcast where we delve into films, television series, and whatever takes our fancy, really, analysing and reviewing them to the point where we've been told flat out, you're on crack, mate. This week, we're going to get real bitchy with one of my favourite people in the world. It is the lovely Albert Hogan. How are you getting on? I'm really good, thank you. Glad to be back as always. And I'm pretty excited about this week because we get to talk about one of my favourite films of all time. I am really looking forward to going through this one because this is one of those films where I saw it once years ago, really enjoyed it, rewatched it again for this and I was just like, oh, this needs to be a once a year, every year film. This is so good. October 3rd. It even tells you in the movie when to do it. Yeah, that is, that is, that is true. That is true. Oh, thank you, Aaron, for telling us. And for asking the question, sorry, and thank you, Katie, for telling us. Exactly. We like Aaron. We do like Aaron. We, we do like Aaron. Sorry. Okay, well, let's hang on. Uh, for those of us who haven't guessed yet, what film are we covering today? We are talking about the seminal classic that is Mean Girls. It's so good. It is so good. Um, so, 2004 is a long time ago. It really is. I was surprised, actually, because it's one of those films that you think, was it the 90s? Was it the noughties? Hey, was it in the 10s? And actually, when I checked, I was like, 2004? Wow, I can remember, like, going to see this in the cinema. So, um, yeah, I was surprised it's quite as old as it is. It kind of, it, it, you're right, it's kind of like, because it, fe- it, it feels fairly modern like when I say 2004 is modern before I end up getting killed but when I say modern it feels like it's in the last couple of years because there's some tropes in it which I think are just absolutely timeless yeah absolutely but it was interesting re-watching it and seeing some bits that are just on the edge that you know maybe wouldn't get into the movie if it was made today um, particularly some of the racial stereotyping but um, it's still done in a way that is acceptable i would say to a degree i think for yeah yeah i think for the most part yeah um, yeah so first question is what were your what what's your first memory of watching this film um i went to see it with my cousin i think in the cinema and didn't really know what to expect from it because um i guess at this point clueless had been out and that was such a classic teen kind of film as well um but this one felt slightly different and I remember being interested by Tina Fey being attached to it because she was sort of on the rise from Saturday Night Live at the time and um inevitably you pick up kind of different bits and pieces from that um so so that was kind of the main reason and then at the time I mean the cast was really kind of unknown except for Lindsay Lohan who at that point would have been coming off I guess Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen, I think would have been her movie before this. I think I, just because I was IMDb and I think Freaky Friday had come out the previous year. Freaky Friday, maybe that, yeah. So she was sort of like teen royalty at the time, mm. wasn't she? Um, so yeah, so I think it was kind of a combination of those factors that probably drew me in. But honestly, it's so long ago, who knows? <laughs> um, it could have just been, hey, we're in town and let's go to the, let's go to the cinema and what's on? Yeah, let's try that. Um, but, uh, you know, with the benefit of hindsight I like to think there was a bit of an intellectual choice in why we chose it um but it's it certainly wasn't what I expected I remember that um and I was really pleasantly surprised because there were so many of those kind of like teen 
high school movies at the time, um, some of which were good and a lot of which were pretty bad. Um, but this is definitely one of the, the iconic ones, I think. It is. And, like, the cast is unbelievable, really. Like, yeah. Um, so we have, obviously, Lindsay Lohan, um, who we will discuss in depth, um, introducing Amanda Seyfried. Yes, who knew this would be her launchpad and she would go on to many great things. And it's probably, you know, along with Rachel McAdams, the two most successful of the cast, I would say. I think so. Certainly in film. Yeah. Am I right in saying that? I think so, because Lizzie Kaplan has done f- all right, but... Yeah, she's done She's done some really great TV stuff, mm. hasn't she? So, um, yeah, and she's done well. Um, and obviously Tina and Tina Fey and Amy Poehler are legends in their own like right. to think they've done okay um, for themselves, yeah. Yeah, but I forgot how young they are in this film. Like, they were, you know, maybe early, late 20s, early 30s, something like that. So they were really young at this point, um, which is quite funny. Because uh, they're actually only about 10 years older than most of the teenage cast. Um, so you've got, like, Amy Poehler playing Rachel McAdams' mum, but she's actually only something like nine or ten years older than her at the point um and it was actually i remember reading somewhere that amy said that was a concern that they wouldn't accept her as a mom because she was too young looking so they actually kind of aged her up a bit in terms of makeup and stuff which is quite interesting that's cool because i I think that comes across because it's so funny then that they age her up for that because she looks as though she's so badly trying to age herself down again which i think that was that was handled really really well yeah it was yeah um, I love her character in it. Um, and then you've got other Saturday Night Live people like um, Tim Meadows, who's the principal, um, Duval, who is great fun. Oh, um, okay. And actually, like, broke, he actually, like, broke his wrist or something before filming start, which is why there's the whole bit about Carpal Tunnel, um, which had to be worked into the script, which I guess if you work in Saturday Night Live, you're used to kind of curveballs and things like that. So it was handled quite well. I thought it was, because there's, there's one reference to carpal tunnel and then that's it you're just like okay there's no there's no way that they yeah. made a plot point out of this uh like there's no need for him to be wearing a cast other than the actor clearly needed a cast for this film yeah exactly um and then there's one other i think saturday night live cast member in this which is um anna gasteyer who plays katie's mum. um so she was a saturday night live alum as well so so I think it's four actors in total from Saturday Night Live. And obviously the film itself is written by Tina Fey and it was her um, film debut as a as a screenwriter. So and what a good one to, go, to start mm. on, eh? No, absolutely. Because as you say, it's reached iconic status and it reached fairly quickly as well. Like it was, it's not one of those ones where 15 years later we look back and it's like, oh, wasn't that film really good? No, I'm pretty sure this was like loved from the beginning. It really was. I remember coming out and like quoting stuff from the film already, you know, like the whole fetch thing and, and stuff like that it was great. Um, and it felt a bit like, I guess, American Pie would be the other one I'd identify in the same sort of genre-ish um, that was quite iconic at the time. Um, you know, a film that you'll kind of always remember watching um, and can remember what happens in it. Whereas, you know, stuff like... Well, you know, there's lots of other good teen movies like um, Bring It On and 
she's all that and all these kind of other ones but they're not they're not just as they don't stick in your mind as as much um but i think with mean girls it's purely down to the strength of the the comedy and the writing and it's just so witty and so well thought out um and so many interesting characters and it's the classic movie where you're kind of rooting for the bad guys and you're rooting for or the bad women in this case and the good women um and actually there's a quite a nice sort of moral to the to the story as well so yeah it's quite a satisfying watch i would say it is and and it's funny right so the humor you'd be forgiven for thinking with a saturday night live kind of alum writer and team that it would be all slapstick and there is slapstick in here but it's really a lot of it's quite clever the humor it is and it's paired with good dialogue when it is slapstick so i'm thinking of like the um the scene where all the girls are in the the gymnasium together and they're kind of apologizing to each other and um you've got amanda seyfried playing her best dumb blonde um where she kind of apologizes and then falls into the group followed by gretchen wieners who then falls into the group but falls flat on her face and it's it's such a typical gag but it works really well in this scenario and then it's the it's Tina Fey going, walk it off, walk it off. And, you know, it's just it's just very classic humour, but done in a great kind of smart way. Let's address the Lindsay Lohan in the room. So yes. I, I, will, I will die on this hill. She is fantastic in this film. She's brilliant yeah. in it. Absolutely brilliant. Because she's believable as that character. And she herself was quite young, I think, at the time of filming. So it all probably felt quite familiar to her, to be honest. Um, and yeah, you believe the kind of innocent, naive version of her at the start of the film and that transformation that happens as she becomes a mean girl is done really, really well. And it's quite subtle actually in some ways. Um, but she plays both sides like fantastically and, you know, you're kind of rooting for her and pissed off with her at the same time, which is kind of what you want from the character. So I think she's really, really great in it. And, you know, I know certainly... You know, she won plenty of awards for it and things like that. Maybe in less prestigious award ceremonies, but well-deserved because I think she's brilliant in it. Just, just record, like, I want an MTV Choice Award, all right? I And, and Kids' Choice and all, all those kind of things. I, I want one of those awards for something in life, whether Absolutely. it's most ridiculous Absolutely. attempt at a beard. I don't know, but I want something. <laughs> yeah, I want to be slimed at the Nickelodeon Awards. They're always fun. As opposed to being slimed at, like, the BAFTAs. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that might be a bit unfortunate. That, that's true. <laughs> oh, that was awkward. But um, what was I going to say? Yeah, she's she's very very good, and and she's quite natural in her delivery, um, because she she had done. Yeah. Okay, what did so Freaky Friday? The parent trap was what sort of introduced us to Lindsay Lohan, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And even then, she was always quite a natural actor. Um, you know, just really quite chilled in a way um but yeah she yeah it was parent trap and was it life size or something like that she was in as well and then there was freaky friday and confessions of a teenage drama queen um so you know she had she had a few good films under her belt but all sort of in the same genre and this one was probably a little bit more of a step into the kind of older teen market and into that slightly more adult role um 
Because, like, if you think about it, she's only 35 now. Um, so she's, you know, she was quite young when this film came out. Uh, she would have been, what, 18, something like that? Um, so considering, you know, the age she was, she actually was a very fine yeah. actor and tur- turned out a good performance in the in the film. Absolutely. Um, and as you say, yeah, it probably feels very, very familiar because she would have been not long out of high school herself. But And that sort of introduces, in my mind, the question of what audience is this film for? Is it for high school age? I feel it's more for people heading toward their 30s who remember this time and Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely got a nostalgic feel. Um, and it's worth saying that, you know, the film is actually based on a book, a non-fiction book, which Tita Fey had read, which was all about cliques in high school and how to help your teenage daughter navigate it in a way where she comes out well at the end of it. Um, and she was quite interested by the book and got in touch with Laura Michaels, who obviously is the creator of Saturday Night Live and several other productions, including Wayne, Wayne's World, and was like, this would be a great movie. Um, Paramount picked it up and then she obviously had to write an original screenplay, but there is a nod to that book within it. Um, so it was very much done almost like an adult's perspective on high school cliques. And I think that translates because some of the humour is quite edgy mm. um, and, you know, wouldn't necessarily translate to a teen audience, but it's inoffensive enough that it could also work as a teen kind of a comedy. Um, so, yeah, it definitely, like, I, I would have been in my 20s at that point and, you know, I think it would have definitely appealed to people in that age bracket, um, mainly for the, you know, the iconic characters and lines and stuff like that. So... Yeah, I think it was it was quite a broad audience actually, um, and it obviously did very well. So it found an audience for sure. So when you were in high school, Albert, were you one of the mean girls, or which 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 clique now would you have fit into? Would you have been a Regina George, or would you have been personally victimized by Regina George? <laughs> so I went to an all boys school, um, an all boys Catholic school. Um, so you were kind of the the cliques there were like sporty guys. So, the, the, the guys who would play kind of hurling and football, which, mm. you know, are very Irish sports. They, the gay boys, as we would have called them, um, which made up the majority, actually, because my school was quite a big sports school. I was a music nerd. So, um, you know, I would have gone to the music room at lunchtime and been jamming with some of my friends and stuff. So so that was kind of me. Um, I don't think I was a mean girl. I was quiet. I was quite reserved. I was always like, a rule follower um i didn't learn until later in life that it's fun to break the rules <laughs> sometimes um so so i would have been probably more of a katie at the start of the film i think probably not eating lunch by myself in the toilet kind of level of katie but you know the sort of kind of nice and fairly naive um character uh, what about I, you, Shawnee? What would you have been? I, you were a mean girl. I, mean, I certainly personally victimised a lot of people, but no, that was nothing to do with school. Um, <laughs> no, what was I? I I did an awful lot um, of lunchroom with the in the piano room. Sorry, lunch at the piano. So I I, I certainly liked oh, yeah. uh, the music side of it as well. I definitely wasn't sporty. Never have been sporty in my life. Um, yeah. and I'd say in my early thirties now be a bit late for me to start. So. I think we can definitely say that one's not happening. Um, we definitely, we did have clicks in school, though. 
We there if they were there. We I was in a mixed oh, yeah. school. So there was ah. the natural cliques that come when boys and girls mix together. And then there was the rockers, there was the Howies, there was, yeah, as you say, the sporty ones. Although in my school, the sporty ones tended to transcend a lot of the, like you would have bits of each clique might end up in the sport clique. Only because the sport clique was so massive in our schools, right? Because sport is such a big deal in Ireland. Um, I'm just thinking as well, there was there was a definite divide between townies so i went to a school in the big town but obviously it had a huge catchment area so you had townies and culchies um which for your non-irish listeners are obviously folk from the countryside cultured folk i like to say but that's not actually what it means um but definitely like there was a divide there but interestingly i used to hang around with uh, with all the townies for some reason um so i kind of maybe maybe crossed the clicks uh, a bit. I like that. I like that. I think. Uh, I think maybe when we were school, mm. one of the ways to survive school best was to be able to cross the cliques. Uh, when you, yeah, yeah. When 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 people start to um, pigeonhole you, it's a bit hard to get out of that. Yeah. No. Exactly. Um, but what's interesting, and I, I did actually reflect on this a little bit when I was watching Mean Girls, like. I don't know what your school was like. You went to a school in, in Dublin, right? Whereas I went to one in the countryside um, or in a smaller town. The kind of identity element of the cliques didn't really play in. So aside from things like music and sport and that, but there was nothing like, you know, the the drug-taking clique or the, the gay clique or anything like that because they just didn't really exist, at least back when I was in school. They probably do now. Um so that is one difference. It was all quite innocent, yeah, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, between you and me, one, I'm sure those clicks existed. They might not have just been open about the fact that they existed. But I think I think you're definitely right yeah. because if you think of the breakdown when, say, you know, the lunchroom in Mean Girls, you know, and the burnouts. I don't think we had the burnouts as open as they they are in Mean no. Girls. Yeah, definitely not. Definitely not. Um, yeah, and there was there wasn't any clicks based on race either because obviously I, I Ireland it, back then was pretty. It, it, uh, it, it was a bit homogenous. Yes, yeah, early two thousands. I mean, God, it, it, the last or nineties oh, yeah. for me. Of course, I'm referring to the uh, release of the film. <clears throat> release of the film. That's what it was. Yeah, um, but I mean that 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 is a thing about Ireland. In the last 10, 15 years, we have seen an explosion of multiculturalism, which has been fantastic. Um, we most certainly really did has. not have that when we were in school. I mean, I think in my year in secondary school, there were maybe five people out of one hundred and fifty who were not um, white. Irish. So I went to a school that had over a thousand pupils and there was one student who was not white Irish. Um, and he was a lovely guy and I got on quite well with him. Um, so yeah, and he played sport. So he was one of the best yeah. GAA players around. <laughs> so yeah. that was his ticket in, I'm guessing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's amazing to see how much things have changed over the years and for the better, I think. Um, 
you know, it's really, really refreshing to see now. But, um, but yeah, that, that the film just got me thinking a little bit about feeling nostalgic and thinking about my own time at um, secondary school. So, so yeah, so there you go. So we were, we would probably have been in the same clique then, by the sounds of it. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Which I'm delighted to think that had we been in school together, we would have been friends back then as well. Brilliant. Yeah, we would we would have probably led with the music thing, but secretly have been like trekkie nerds that we wouldn't have told anyone about absolutely like, you know, although you were you were quite open about your trek fandom weren't you i i was for the most part not so much in school just because i had very few people to talk to about it because not yeah. as many other people would have been now i shame what is shame um but yeah back then i'm like you know when we're walking down the corridor catch each other's eye just maybe flash a vulcan salute at each other you know yeah see i didn't even have that i just it was my dirty little i had two dirty dirty little secrets back then one was I was a Trekkie and one was that I liked boys. <gasps> um, <laughs> you what? Were you too gay to function, Albert? I was too gay to function. <laughs> um, no, actually, I was a highly functional <laughs> gay who managed to blend in quite well. Um, but yeah, thinking about it, I think quite a few of that music click ended up being um, too gay to function in later in life. <laughs> it was like, I wonder how many people just had no interest in music whatsoever. But they're like, oh, hang on. I recognize something else about this group. Yes, yes, I like to play the... You call this a guitar? <laughs> oh, funny. And even within the music click, there was clicks. So there was the, like, the the Oasis click, and then there was the classical click, and then there was the trad click. So, um, yeah, it's funny. It's obviously a pretty universal... Uh, thing in secondary schools and high schools around the world it is a bit which is i it's funny because i haven't read the book that the film is based on i haven't either i reckon that if we read it we're just gonna be like recognize 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 yeah yeah definitely um but yeah it's 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 crazy to think back to those times it feels like a lifetime ago probably because it is for me anyway not you you're young ah sure listen when 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 did i do my leaving search was what year are we now? 2021? Yeah. So I am 15 years out of secondary school. 20 for me. You're only a nipper. You're only a nipper, I tell you. Uh, <laughs> no, the only time it ever kind of went, oh God, it's been a while, is when I did the amount of time I had spent in secondary school out of it. Yeah. That was the only time it ever went, oh God. Because yeah. one thing that the film captures very well is that it is your whole life while you're there. Yeah, no, absolutely is. I mean, everything revolves around school, right? Yeah. Um, and it does for the, the kids in the movie as well, which feels exactly authentic and right. Um, and in a way, it is for the parents and the teachers as well, isn't it, in, in the film? Um, yeah. I, I find myself uh, identifying a lot with Tina Fey's character. Oh, God, yeah. Well, actually, no, I find myself identifying with Amy Poehler's, <laughs> which is kind of worrying. Because <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm still cool. I'm still hip. Um, you know, I've got a bunch of nieces and nephews who are teenagers and in their early 20s now, and I like to be the, the cool uncle. Um, so <laughs> I see myself as a, a little bit of uh, Amy Poehler. Um, I probably won't wear a pink velour tracksuit. Um, I reckon you could get away with it. <laughs> <laughs> If anyone could rock it, it would be me. Absolutely, it? yeah. Um, so are, are, are you admitting here on this podcast that you're the one who will happily get them alcohol, make them cocktails and everything? Um, 
Mm, no comment. No, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Um, I would be the one that would say, like, if you are going to do it, at least do it in the house so I can keep an eye on you. I mean, that would be... Is it awful that I think that there's nothing wrong with that? As long as, you know, just if you're, if you're going to do something, and look, we've all been in secondary school, we've all done things, rather do it somewhere where it's safe than down yeah. the field. But also, you have to just remember in the US, it's 21, right? It's yeah, that's the, true. The league guys, whereas in, whereas in Ireland, it's like 12. <laughs> Unofficially. 12 if you're in the city. It's about 8 if you're down the country, boy. Listen, take that. Uh, yeah, That'll yeah. wake you up now while you're out doing the calves. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so, yeah. So, it's it's a slightly different, you know, there's a cultural difference there that doesn't translate quite as well. Um, but, yeah. No, it's... Uh, I, I just bloody love her character in it i think she's so funny she's like i'm not a regular mom i'm a cool mom <laughs> and she's so she's so sweet but this is this is her in with her daughter like it's like grand i, I can't just be like hi honey yeah. how was your day it's like hi honey it's happy hour yeah and the thing is there's still love there that's the thing that i quite quite like about it she's not a she is a bad mom, but she's not a bad, bad mom, yeah. if you know what I mean. Um, she's doing it because she loves her kids. And she even says, oh, I love you guys. You keep me young and all this sort of stuff. Um, even though she was probably only like 30 at the time yeah. while filming that. Um, so, yeah, I like that. And I love when she's filming the 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 talent show and she's doing the little dance along with oh, them. It's just because we all know a mom like that, oh, yeah. I think. It's fair to say. We all know one who thinks... <laughs> They're the best mom because they kind of let their kids away with murder. Um, and uh, yeah, I can definitely think of one or two from my hometown that would fit that bill. I think that would be me. I, th- I, th- I think that would <laughs> I would try and be that at least. Um, and then probably panic and be like, oh, no, uh, go to your room. Uh, yeah, it's, in- it's interesting, isn't it? Because when you think about Katie's parents who are shown as sort of a bit like her, a bit naive and straight-laced and serious um they come across as more unhinged than amy poehler's character does in a strange way um so there's kind of an interesting dynamic there in itself uh and that really popped out to me when i rewatched it yesterday i was just like well her mom comes across as really like massively overprotective and massively um you know, naive to what goes on in, in high school. Yeah, Amy Poehler's mother's doing the same thing, just in a different way, and that feels okay. <laughs> so it's kind of a strange, strange dynamic. And that's where the, the writing and the characterization is so good in this film. I think there's a, a sidequel that could be made, which is the kids are all gone to school and what the parents do during the day. Yeah, well, it's interesting because there was at one point a sequel touted, which was Mean Moms. Um, oh, okay. Which uh, was, you know, something that was considered. And then there was another sequel considered, which would have brought back the original cast, which would have focused them as on them as adults, I think, or as young parents, as part of a parents committee or something like that, where there would be cliques again, which again, feels pretty damn mm-hmm. accurate. Um, so there's been lots of ideas thrown about um but i think everyone has said like it needs to be amy poehler that or amy poehler tina fey that writes the um the sequel and she's just she's said quite openly she thinks too much time has passed for it to be you know a coherent story it was kind of lightning in a bottle really 
Um, yeah. I mean, which is not to say that you can't do a story like that again and do it very well, but that particular group, that particular style, I think, no, it's Mean Girls. There it is. Go go and watch that. Because there is, yeah. Um, obviously, I know there is a Mean Girls 2 out there. Two. Um, and I didn't realise... But we don't talk about that. Uh, we, the only thing I'll say is it was a made-for-television, I think it was a backdoor pilot. Yeah, it, and it's not very good. Um, so yeah, we, we kind of just don't talk about that one, really. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's... I was, do you know what I was, I was going, right, I'm going to say what I was going to say, but I've already immediately disagreed with myself, okay? Go for it. say, it's a film of set pieces, and then I'm going to say, no, it isn't, because it's got a very clear through line, more so than just, you get to this scene, you get to this scene, because there are so many standout scenes in it. Yeah. So did anything I just say, did that just make sense, what I tried to say there? Was, it's almost like sketch comedy, except it's really not. Yeah, no, I get what you, you mean. It is a a set of scenes that could come across as quite disjointed if it wasn't so coherently brought together. Um, Thank you for yeah, I, doing that much better than I would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because actually, you know, just even thinking on it now, there were so many locations, scenes, characters, you know, it could very easily have got quite confused very quickly. Mm. Um, but at no point does it, do that and sometimes with these teen comedies you know a lot of the characters blend into each other whereas actually each character is so clearly defined and and a slight caricature in its own way that they kind of occupy their own space and can come in and out of those scenes with you know great ease um you know i'm thinking of uh someone like um kevin you know the the mathletes um who i love you know he just pops in and out Pops it, the, the, you know, he's he's brilliant in it. And um, what's his great line that I'm always, what the, always forget, but I love. The one that he only dates uh, uh, women of colour? That and, and damn Africa, what happened? Oh, <laughs> that one. <laughs> I love him. Um, and, and little things like when he, um, when they win the competition and he rips his shirt open. Like, he's such a brilliant supporting character and yet he's only in a few scenes, mm. but you feel like there's a beginning, middle and an end to his story. Um, you know, and, and the same with with all the other characters. And considering, you know, they have to have, like, representations of each of the cliques. So, you know, you've got Coach Carr and he's um, penchant for young Asian students, which is one of the things that hasn't aged quite it as well. It has not. Um, it has not. Um, but you know, there's there's lots of little storylines that that come through, and even someone like, um, you know, even even the principal, he gets a bit of a a storyline for a character that could have been very one note. Um, so it's it's done really well, I think. Um, and I probably would happily watch a film about most of the characters in this uh, a standalone film in a way I mean I think we need a standalone film for uh, Karen because she's just iconic yes took me it took me a second now I, one thing I'm bad at with this Amanda film Seyfried. is character names yeah. and it's awful I, sh- I, sh- I should be shot for saying Don't that worry. but I'm really really bad at trying to remember because obviously Regina George yeah Gretchen Wieners I don't know why Karen sticks and doesn't stick in my head as much. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because one of the things Tina Fey did 
was name characters after real people um, because she wanted it to feel quite grounded. And so um, I think Karen was named after a friend of hers and um, Janicine is named after a musician. You know, there's different um, characters that she pulls out. But she also apparently wrote like really intensive backstories for each of the characters that doesn't come on screen. So at any point, the actors could come to her and say, hey, how would... Karen think about this or Kevin react to that and she'd have an answer for them and that's what I really bloody want is the backstories in a book form anything I'll take it in any form I want to read those backstories because they would be hilarious um and yeah and there's loads of those little like almost tertiary characters I'd call them who come in and out with the the talking the talking to screen scenes like when they're saying I heard that Regina George has two Lexuses and and they're the characters that I love as well. So um, uh, the one that I can't remember her name, but she's like, I saw Katie Heron wearing um, uh, cargo pants and sandals and now I wear can- whatever it was, you know, something like that. I just love those little moments because they're so funny and each line just hits really well. Um, so yeah, so there's a huge amount of characters in this film, but easy to remember who's who. Mm what their role is, um, what their stories are. And there's lots of, like, all the iconic lines are spread out among the cast. It's not just yeah. all Katie or all, all um, Regina. That's, that's a perfect thing as well, because you'd be easily forgiven for it being the Katie-Regina show and then with a couple of... But almost everything Karen says, although apparently I struggle with her name, for her character, it, like, you're just iconic. Uh, oh, it's, it's what... I mean, one line I use all the time is, I can't go out tonight, I'm sick. <coughs> that one I love. And the other one I love is, it's like I have ESPN or something. <laughs> um, and for, for all of those who are, you know, you know, we're, we're struggling with love, remember, there's your cousin, and then there's your first cousin. Yeah, oh God. Oh, that one is so bad. It's so funny though, because she's so sincere. But- <laughs> But one of my, like, my two favourite characters in this film are Karen and Damien. I bloody love Damien. That, my favourite line in the whole film, and it makes me piss myself laughing every time I hear it, is when he goes, oh my God, Danny DeVito, I love your work. <laughs> to the, the short girl um, in the ladies' toilets. And uh, yeah, that, that is just my, the way he delivers that is just brilliant. Um, and obviously he has the infamous line, Four for you, Glen Coco. You go, Glen Coco. Um, and Glen Coco, by the way, is a real person that Tina Fey named the character after. Oh. So there is a Glen Coco out there. Nice. Open invite now, Glen Coco. Please, you are welcome on this podcast at any point. I am sure you are listening. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, it's funny, actually. I've only ever seen that actor in one other thing, and he plays a very similar character. Because he just, he just suits him. Uh, Looking, the HBO <laughs> series. Have you seen that? Oh, I haven't seen it. But I know the one you're on about. Yeah. It's very good. He is very good in it. I shall say no more. Enjoy. Um, very good. Uh, I thought when, when you were going to say now iconic lines, I thought you were going to say that the one that everyone remembers, she doesn't even go here. Yeah. <laughs> or you can't sit with us. <laughs> I mean, they're so, they're so simple, the lines, but they just stick in your brain. Um, like literally I could do it. I could do it all day. Um, you could try Sears. There's that one. On, on uh, Wednesdays we wear pink. On Wednesdays we wear pink. Uh, that's so fetch. 
Um, what else is there? Get in Loser, we're going shopping. That one I love. Uh, I'd actually forgotten that yeah. that was from this film because it's become such a meme on the internet. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, like, there is this film, like, will live forever just through memes and gifts and catchphrases. Um, but yeah, it's so it's so, so good. Um, Regina George. So, Rachel McAdams Regina is George. so good in this film. She really is. I mean, this was sort of her breakthrough role in a way, wasn't it? Um, she she embodies that part so well. Um, and she is the definition of a mean girl. But there is a softness to her as well that's quite nice. Um, and she's absolutely stunning. I mean, she's just oh, so she interesting to look at. Um, and it's funny because, you know, after this, she went on to be in The Notebook and other films where she was playing a very different character. And it was like, hang on, but you, so, so you're not Regina George then. Um, Wait a minute, you've you know, got range? Like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like Amanda Seyfried, you know, who's gone on to be a very serious film actor in her own right. Um, and like, all I can think of is her squeezing her boobs saying there's a 30% chance it's raining right now. Um, <laughs> uh, so it's funny how, you know, you do kind of typecast people um but Rachel's brilliant in it. Um, originally, Lindsay Lohan was supposed to play that role, um, but decided that she felt like she would be typecast, funnily enough, um, as a mean girl, so didn't want to do that. So she ended up taking the role of Katie, which Amanda Seyfried had originally auditioned for. Oh. Um, so basically between the three, they'd all kind of auditioned for each other's roles. Um so, so yeah, so I think it was absolutely the right casting because... Oh, yeah. No, I, I wouldn't change um, anyone in that four. Yeah, yeah, because the way that um, Rachel delivers a line with a smile on her face and you really believe, like, so when she's saying, oh, I love that skirt, where did you get it? And you just think, like, oh, she's being really sweet. And then she turns around and she's like, I effing hate, or I hate that effing skirt oh, or whatever no. it is. Like, she just plays that so, so well. Um, and it's always done with this kind of like fake smile on her face that is really believable. It's, um, she's so sincere in her evil. Yeah, yeah. Um, Considering you would never think of you know Mean Girls aside, you would never think of casting her as a you know an evil character or a bad bad person. Yeah, no. In another, she's always kind of the the nice, sweet, um, intelligent woman. You know, so it's it's really quite fun to to see her do it this way i think one thing i'm glad that this film didn't do is because we said like it's it is it's proper proper comedy but it has heart to it as well now one thing i'm glad yeah. they didn't do with regina george's character is give her the kind of backstory where mom and dad don't really care or you know that's why yeah. she is the way she is it's like no she has everything she has a loving family and she's still a bitch yeah i really like that yeah yeah and there's hints of it i mean because obviously gretchen um, whose hair is full of secrets, which I also love. Uh, that's why her hair is so big, because it's full of secrets. When she blurbs about her mom and dad not sleeping in the same room. So there's hints of it, but it's not stuck in her face like you would get in other films. Um, so, yeah, I agree. I, I appreciated that too. She's just who she is because of who she is. You know, it's just her character. But I like that she gets a redemption as well. Um, I guess my only criticism with the film is that last kind of 15 minutes where it gets a bit schmaltzy um and a bit you know sweet and everyone comes out well i mean we all went to 
secondary school, high school. It doesn't happen like that until you know until university. That's when that happens. So I think that was maybe a little bit rose tinted towards the end. But I appreciated it nonetheless to you know that they didn't have Rachel McAdams, I don't know, leave the school in disgrace or something like that. That actually she had a redemptive moment at the end as well. And I love that she ended up getting into uh, sports and Oh yeah. That was that was her kind of thing. So, you know. Um and they it you know, they said it allowed her to channel her rage and stuff. So she's still angry and she's still mean. She's just finding a different outlet for it. Um so I quite like that. Um plus I, I, I for ages I keep thinking is the getting hit by a bus thing like a metaphorical moment? Like, is does she actually get hit by a bus? Because it's just like, no, no, that, that's 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 the bus scene for Final Destination. She's dead. Yeah, I mean, you saw the way that bus oh, yeah, hit her. No, she's like, dead. she should definitely yeah. be dead. <laughs> um, I don't know. I I think it's just pure shock moment, isn't it? Um, but it is a recurring theme because obviously Katie nearly gets hit by it. Um. Regina does get hit, but the three new plastics at the end almost get run over as well. I guess it's kind of that, you know, if I was getting deep on it, it's that sort of idea. And Katie talks about it, you know, it's not, it's it's about the problem in front of you right now, rather than, you know, sort of like cutting people down isn't going to help you, all that sort of stuff. So maybe it's like a nod to that in a way, um, a very literal nod to like, be in the moment and think about what you need to do now as opposed to otherwise you might get run over by a bus um question but yeah no no regina definitely looked far better than she probably should uh, have considering she was completely and utterly yeah like you know her arm should be up around her temple somewhere and you know with a leg sticking yeah, out yeah. of her back um yeah <laughs> but question so um, he is adamant that of course she didn't push regina um and that that's fine yeah but don't you think Katie probably saw the bus coming? It would be hard not to see it out of the yeah. periphery of your eye. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to overanalyze it because it'll ruin it for me. You know me, I hate this because we do this with Trek all the time and then I'm like, I can't watch it anymore because I've ruined it. Um, yeah, there is definitely like a seed of doubt there, isn't like, there? Oh, Katie maybe has um, has a bit of Regina George in her. Oh, well, she absolutely does. We saw it. Yeah, you see it. Um, it's that kind of thing, isn't it? Of like, we can become something we don't like if we are not too careful. Um, yeah, it's a good point. I hadn't really thought about. It. I just, I just took it at the, the um, voiceover value that yeah, it was. She didn't push her. George died. I love that. I love that little yeah. joke. Uh, yeah, that is funny. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> I'd say. Because I, I can't remember. I watched it at home. I didn't see it in the cinema. But I can imagine that moment just in the cinema of ever going, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> It'd be like, that's that's one way of ending a storyline. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I think Aaron overreacts slightly to Katie's revelation. Yeah. Aaron's an interesting character, right? He's there for obviously face value, but they're trying to make him be... He plays against stereotype a bit in that he is not all about, oh, the looks and the body and stuff. Like, there's that scene where he picks up the picture of Katie in the plastics and then sees behind it a picture of her as a little girl on, I was it, an elephant or something like that. And he, he seemed to smile. He seems quite sincere. Um, 
which is interesting as a choice, I guess, in a way. And actually the the kind of leery, um, obnoxious guy in a way is Kevin, who's the mathletes. So they've kind of messed with the characterization there a bit. And that probably was quite a conscious choice because, you know, this is a film about female relationships really and about, you know, gossip among teenage girls and how that can affect. Um, so the male characters are all kind of on the secondary level in a way. But yeah, it was an interesting choice with her. I do think he overreacts and he's maybe, which is a weird criticism to have of a male character. He's overly sentimental, like in a way. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I love the scenes between them where she's doing math with him and he's like, oh, it's this. And she's yeah. like, wrong, wrong. I got negative one. There you go. And it's just like, you know, that that's quite nice. But um, it's interesting because in, like I say, it feels like a against a stereotype there with Aaron. Um, but then part of me also in my head canon is like Aaron, the, the actor who plays Aaron is gay and, you know, is still looks about 17 to this day. Um, so in my head, I was like, maybe his character was gay and that's why he's acting the way he does because it's a, it's a defense mechanism so who, yeah, did do, who knows that, that's i think that's as valid a reading of it as anything um i did see that yeah. he is uh it that's jonathan bennett right that's who plays and he's yes. um, like released cookbooks i think based on mean girls <laughs> yeah something like um feed your inner plastic or something like that it's like he's cashing in and obviously ariana grande mm. did a video with him in it where it's like a spoof of Mean Girls um, so you know he's continuing to to hang on to that um, which yeah. why not go for it mate go for it he's been in a few other things I think but Mean Girls I think was probably his biggest because his I was thinking thing. and god this sounds awful no shade to the poor man um, He, I, I don't look at him and go oh it's such and such from all of these films yeah yeah, yeah, definitely. Because um, he was in Cheaper by the Dozen 2, I think, as well. And I want to say he was in something like Veronica Mars, maybe, as well. So he he had a few things. Um, you know, so yeah. well, he did all right. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to pronounce this correctly. So is it Lacey Chathbert or Chathbert? Or Chabert. Sorry, there we go. I, so, I, I added a TH where there wasn't one. I don't know if it's Chabert or if it's... Chabert, I'm not sure which it is. Um, but she's been in... She was probably best known for Party of Five before this, I think. I, which we, I we definitely It was on in our house. I've definitely seen part, all of Party of Five. I yeah. think all of Party of Five anyway. Um, but of course, uh, I will remember her as the original Meg Griffin. Yes. Uh, they did, they had a brilliant joke about that. In one of the seasons, you know, Stewie and Brian hop on their time machine and they go back to the pilot episode. And, you know, um, yeah. Brian goes, what's wrong with Meg's voice? And Stewie says, I know, it sounds like someone is about to give up a really big opportunity. <laughs> it's just like, oh, shade. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. She's actually, she's really good in the film as well, isn't she? She's... Um... She's got a great energy when she's performing and I love the, uh, when she like has her little monologue about 
Brutus and Caesar. <laughs> I just want to stop Caesar. It's okay, just fantastic. Gretchen. We should totally stop Caesar. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's good. I personally believe that fetch has happened. Oh, completely. Uh, that's the irony of it all, isn't it? That's totally like, fetch. That's totally fetch. Um, uh, uh, like, yeah. she is, of all the characters, I think she is the one who wants to be Regina the most, but I don't think she has that vicious streak that Regina has. Yeah, she's definitely, um, she's definitely mm. a sensitive soul behind it all because you see her... Um, following that guy around whose name escapes me right now you know going i love you at the party and stuff like that um and uh you know she obviously takes the barbs from regina really to heart Mm. and really wants to be her best friend and stuff but interestingly then when regina's cancelled um back before cancelling was a thing uh she turns to to katie as opposed to like stepping up into that void herself um which again is an interesting choice. Yeah, she needs she needs to have someone to follow, but as long as she's number two, yeah. she couldn't be number three. Yeah, and and at the end she becomes part of the oh, the Asian like, click, doesn't what she? What a choice, you know? Like you know, she sorry, right, she still has her click, and there yeah. she's speaking fluent. I apologize for not knowing uh, exactly which language she's speaking, whether it's Mandarin, Cantonese. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I was yeah. like, oh. Fair play. She's a survivor. She definitely is. She definitely is. Um, so yeah, that's good old good old Gretchen Wieners, whose dad invented what was it the oh, yeah. toaster strudel? What the, as if that's a thing. And they they actually well they actually brought so there, it is a thing apparently, and they brought out a special edition of it with like pink icing on it or something that was called that the Mean Girls gas. Special Edition. Um, yeah, so there's been lots of little things like that across the years because obviously, like Ariana Grande referenced it in the video. Mariah Carey's a massive fan of the film. Um, she was known to quote it when she was a judge on American Idol and different things. Um, you know, there's just always been bits and bobs that have popped up over the years that continue to reference it, which show it's like a proper I feel like Mariah Carey now. was probably watching it, rooting for early Regina. Yeah. <laughs> probably <laughs> probably um, yes I just I suppose before we finish up we really need to talk about Janice Ian who is we uh, do Lizzie Kaplan is Janice very Ian, very yes. good at this. she's very honest and you know she is in her own right as manipulative as some of the plastics oh 100% 100% and I don't think we ever really find out what happened between her and Regina in the film you know there's Regina's side of it and then in her apology scene she kind of goes on about having a big lesbian crush on her but that didn't feel like it was true um but no exactly she's as much of a a mean girl in her own way um thinking she's doing it from the right perspective and she's as much guilty of corrupting Katie as as Regina is I think um and there's definitely yeah there's definitely some some history there between her and Regina that we never really get to to learn about but I'd forgotten how pretty she is how attractive she is even in all that kind of grungy gear yeah. she's, she's really stunning. striking looking um she is really stunning um and there's kind of the contrast between her and 
um, Damien is just, they're such like an odd couple, but they work well together. And that moment at the end where they oh. like kiss and like, um, too funny. Only because only because I can relate. Has, has, has everyone had a moment where they're just like, yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. Um, so, um, yeah, she's she's really brilliant. And obviously, she's gone on to do some great TV work in particular because um, she was in Masters of Sex. And I think she was in Hot Tub Time Machine was her other kind of film that she was in. Um and now you see me too is the other one. Uh, yes. Yeah, she was in Cloverfield. I know as well. Oh, was she? Okay, cool. Yes. And yeah. um, because she she started off in Freaks and Geeks, didn't she? Which was that? That is that is a show that I totally missed. I re- I yeah. think it would have been the perfect show for me, but I I didn't have access to it or something when it was out first. Yeah, I haven't. Um, I haven't. I've seen a couple of episodes of it. I think that's about it, really. But um, so actually she was, you know, she's had a pretty steady career and has been doing good work. Um, and, you know, still is very stunning to this day. Uh, but yeah, I love the way she plays Janice. Um, you know, it's all emotion. It's all, there's no sort of, le- it's all levels up and down. Um, and yeah, there's, it's quite an interesting character in a way, isn't it? It's exactly what you'd expect from a kind of a emo, gothy type character, except a bit more exuberant probably than you would normally get. Probably, actually, yes, I'd say you're dead right there. Yeah. Um, it's a film that does, it does stereotype well because it adds depth, I think, to all of the these. Like, yes, if you were to look at, say, Regina George, in you, visually, you judge her in a heartbeat. And yeah. then you see there is more to her. Um, Karen is probably the simplest in every sense of the word character, but she's also yeah. one of the nicest. She is. Uh, she's the most, um, in a weird way, she's the most vanilla of all of them. Mm. The only time we see her being mean is when she's um, on that four-way call and she's like, oh my God, she's such a, whatever she said. Um, she's such a bitch or whatever. Yeah. Um, that's the only time we really see her being mean. Uh, and even like when they're confronting um, Regina about wearing sweatpants and she's like, you know, it was, she's quite emotional there in terms of saying like, hey, it was a problem for me when I wore pink or whatever it was, um, or when I wore a tank top or something like that. And, you know, again, it was just played really, really well. But she plays it really understated most of the time because it's really just like breathy and mm. uh, yeah. And you know, it's like kind of, it's it's really really well played, um, and so different from you know, because I was fortunate enough to work on Le Mis, which obviously Amanda Seyfried was a a very important cast member of, and that was such a transformation to see this like, you know, songstress with such depth as an actress um, compared to Karen, where but actually Karen was probably harder to play in a way. Yeah, like you know, kind of now take all of that in- intelligence and. Put that away. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. The bit where she's like, well, I can't remember the exact line, but she's like, you're from Africa? Why aren't you black? It's just like, oh, cringe. Karen, you can't ask somebody that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, oh, too funny! I could. I'm, I just. I watched the film last night, and I was just like, Joe, I need to watch it again soon because it's that kind of easy watch you can come mm. back to. I laugh at the jokes every time, um, and I find kind of new layers to it every time as well, which is nice. Uh, and in a way, I'm you know I want to kind of go and introduce it to the next generation. It's sort of like in a way, it's like our breakfast club or something like yeah. that. You know, it's uh, it's a film for our generation. Um, and I love The Breakfast Club, but it's a lot more fun than The Breakfast Club. Yes. I will say that. Yes. Definitely. Uh, definitely. So that's it. That's that. So our generation has a much greater sense of humour, and I've just been cancelled. Okay, that's great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Albert, thank you so much for coming on today and discussing Mean Girls with me. Um, it is a film I'm delighted you've reintroduced me to, because uh, it's been probably the age of half the characters in the film since I watched it last yeah i know i was quite shocked yesterday when i saw most of the characters are in their 40s now and, or the actors sorry i was like oh, i feel so old and then i remembered i'm nearly 40 myself so it's about right isn't it's, it but looking at um, you you look like you could be a part of the class oh you're so sweet so sweet such a liar but so sweet <laughs> um all right as i say thank you very much now I ask you this every time. I'll ask you again. If the people want to reach out to you, grab you, fondle you, where can they find you? They can find me in the burn book. Uh, <laughs> no, I joke. Uh, you may find me on Twitter at Albert Hogan. Woohoo! Um, and I know that you are definitely not a fugly slut, uh, no matter what Ian Whittington says. Um, so that... <laughs> That's skanky ho. I know, right? Yeah. I heard he. I heard he made out with a hot dog once. <laughs> that was only one time. <laughs> uh, interesting fact: that was originally supposed to be masturbate with a hot dog, and they changed it to get a PG thirteen rating. Yeah, it was just like, it certainly makes more sense to be the latter, but then yeah, yeah no, that's not making it into a PG thirteen film. <laughs> we love you, Ian. We love you, Ian. Even though we know you're definitely the latter of the two options, we love you. <laughs> you fugly slut. <laughs> Be listening to this, going like, the hell did I do on you guys? <laughs> uh, I was just gonna say, is Twitter the new burn book? I think it might be. Oh, probably, yeah, actually, yeah. It's a someone watching this film went, Do you know what would be a good thing now? Uh, a public burn a book pub- that everyone could access, absolutely. Uh, guys, thanks so much for tuning in again this week. We love you so much. And you are all awesome. If you want to get in touch, you can catch me over on Twitter at Sean Ferrick. And remember that you can also follow the pod, get early access to episodes, and be basically amazing. If you head over to Patreon forward slash Sean Ferrick, you can get all of the things I just mentioned and maybe a little bit more because I like you. Look after yourselves until next week, guys, where we will be back with another episode. Until then, I've been Sean and you've been awesome.